Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. We're running new online talks about topics like owls and cuckoos to enhance your birding skills. Learn more by following us on Facebook and on our website, OceanStateBirdClub.org. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 819. Well, the latest editions of two of our favorite bird-themed publications are now available. One is the Birding Community eBulletin. Written by the great duo of Paul Basich and Wayne Peterson. Among the stories in the new edition is one about why wearing camouflage may not always be a good idea while birding. A new book about birds that the authors say has broken new ground. And why President Biden is getting writer's cramp. From signing so many orders to protect birds and the planet. You can find this free publication online very easily. Just do a search for Birding Community e-bulletin. Meanwhile, the latest issue of another of our favorites, Bird Observer, is now out in print form as well as electronically. Bird Observer is based here in New England but offers stories and features of interest for you no matter where you are. This month, for example, a piece about other bird species using the sap wells created by sapsuckers. A review of a book about finding and saving the world's largest owl and the always challenging at a glance, Bird ID Quiz. You can find it at birdobserver.org. The following also is connected with owls. February is Black History Month, and a good time to sing the praises of the great abolitionist Harriet Tubman and her work on the Underground Railroad, which was a network of secret routes and safe houses used by enslaved African Americans to escape into free states and Canada in the early to mid-19th century. She was also a spy and a scout and a guerrilla soldier and a nurse for the Union Army during the Civil War. And she was a naturalist who employed her knowledge in mimicking the call of... <coughs> barred owls to alert freedom seekers and let them know if they should stay in their hiding places or come out and continue on their journey. By the way, it's been a long time coming, but we should soon see the image of Harriet Tubman on the new U.S. $20 bill. Well, if you're hearing our show live here on the 14th of February, you can still join the Great Citizen Science Project called the Great Backyard Bird Count. It continues through Monday the 15th. And if you can't do it this year, maybe get an early start for next year's event. Get all the info at birdcount.org. What do the following two gentlemen have in common? Rocky Marciano and marvelous Marvin Hagler. Right, they're both former boxers and great champions, but the other thing they have in common is that they're both favorite sons of Brockton, Massachusetts. Rocky was born there, and marvelous Marvin, that's his legal name, by the way, moved there as a boy. The reason we're mentioning it here is because a great radio station in that city of champions, WBMS, 
is now carrying our Talking Birds show live every Sunday morning, 9.30 to 10 Eastern. So welcome, WBMS 101.1 FM and 1460 AM to the Talking Birds family. Uh, that very unusual sounding bird is our mystery bird. Preview here of the mystery bird contest coming along in a bit. Our bird is a small waterfowl noted for its thin bill and fan-shaped collapsible crest. The male is black above with a white breast and chestnut sides and a large white patch on its crest. Females are gray and brown with a cinnamon-colored head and crest. And we have coffee. As a prize this morning, a big bag of delicious, bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee, along with uh, a very favorite Droll Yankees feeder, the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. Attaches securely to your window, offering a clear, unobstructed view of the birds, and that's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along um, in uh, just a little bit here this morning. And it's a royal salute to more Talking Birds ambassadors helping us spread the word about birds and conservation through our show. And welcome and thank you to Melissa DeNuno from Norwell, Massachusetts. She says she listens with her kiddos, age 9 and 5, regularly. And get this, she says the ambassadorship was actually a gift idea from my 9-year-old for my birthday. Wow. Thank you, Melissa. Your nine-year-old is some amazing kiddo, and I bet your five-year-old is too. And now a little farther away, Andrew Davis from Stanmore, New South Wales, Australia. Thank you so much, Andrew, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador and saying hello to our awesome Aussie, Freya McGregor from Melbourne, Australia. Well, Talking Birds listeners, we're still kind of in the new year. We hope you'll give us a good start and... Join our Ambassadors family. Really easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com and click on the Get Involved tab right there at the top of the home page. Still to come on our show today, we'll welcome another of those folks who has forgotten more about birds and birding than many of us will ever know. David Clapp will be here with us in just a few moments. A little later, we'll talk with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment about getting nest boxes ready for spring and protecting them against squirrel invasions. And up next, a diminutive duck with a large head and a lively lifestyle is today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Today's featured feathered friend has lots of nicknames, including Bumblebee Duck, Butterball, Spirit Duck, and Buffalo-Headed Duck. Yes, it's the Bufflehead. In fact, the name Bufflehead is itself a reference to its large, bulbous head. Although, if it's named after that large ungulate of the American West, it should really be called Bison Head since bisons aren't buffaloes at all. The bufflehead is also sometimes referred to as the chickadee of the sea, since it's very small and it offers those same black and white colors of most chickadee species. Unlike that of the chickadee, though, 
The black on the bufflehead's head can appear to be a shimmering green or blue or purple thanks to feather structures that create those colors when seen at just the right angle to the light striking them. The scientific name of the bufflehead comes from ancient Greek, Bucephala, bullhead, for the genus name, and Albiola, white, for the species name. The bufflehead's range is a winter resident or migrant covers almost the entire U.S. with a breeding range spanning most of Canada and Alaska. Buffleheads nest in trees and are said to have evolved their small size to fit the nesting cavities they typically use, those of northern flickers, or sometimes pileated woodpeckers. Buffleheads are energetic ducks with high metabolisms and they dive almost continuously. In their small floating flocks, one bufflehead will typically serve as a sentry, watching for predators as other members of the group continue that constant diving in search of the aquatic insects, mollusks, crustaceans, and some plant material on which they feed. Today's show is airing live on Valentine's Day, so it's nice to be able to report that buffleheads are believed to be monogamous, with the females often returning to the same nest site year after year and indeed often for many years. There's at least one record reported showing that a banded individual bufflehead was more than 18 years old. <laughs> the bufflehead, Bucephala albiola. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 819. We also have a website that we hope you'll find interesting, along with our Facebook and Instagram pages with kinds of other cool stuff we hope you'll like, including some really wonderful pictures there on Instagram. Well, David Clapp was a Mass Audubon Sanctuary director for some 25 years. Make that two Audubon Sanctuary. Since then, he's traveled the world for Smithsonian Journeys and on his own looking for birds and actually finding them. In most cases, he's been on the show with us many times, and we're happy to report that thanks to the magic of Zoom, he's uh, back with us here again this morning, and I think he has a long-tailed duck right behind him there. Good morning, David. <laughs> I do. Good morning, Ray. Great to have you back with us. We can't show that uh, long-tailed duck or even you on, on, on here, but I'm going to take a, a screenshot. We'll find out. Okay. We'll it's find a, visual, a It's a visual limitation of radio. Yeah, just fix your hair up a little bit there, and then we'll take that uh, picture. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding about that. <laughs> so, David, um, we want to talk a little bit about this amazing eruption of uh, wintering finches down into the lower 48 this year. I think you wanted to say something about eruption versus migration in case there's yeah, maybe I confusion. Yeah, I did. It's, uh, the whole thing is very broad, so you can't separate being hungry, needing a place to go to bed, finding a place where food is going to be available year-round, and, and seasonality, and climate change now. Mm -hmm. um, about 20% of the world's birds migrate. They go somewhere relatively specific each time of each year at about the same time and return to the place they breed, usually, at about the same time, about 20%. A lot of birds don't migrate. They're able to stay. They might go to a, a denser thicket or they may leave the woodland for some field edges or something. Mm -hmm. But every now and then, 
we get a massive eruption, especially, I'm sure it happens in Europe, birds coming out of Siberia, heading down toward the Baltic and the Black Sea. But here we get birds that come out of the Canadian boreal forests and just flood south across the United States. Um, in this case, this year we've had winter finches. We call them winter finches because we only see them in the winter. Mm -hmm. If you're a Canadian of the boreal forest area, you probably call them yard birds. But, <laughs> you know. Um, so these birds, like crossbills, white wing and red crossbills, uh, red poles, and pine siskins especially, flood southward. This year, it's been huge numbers of pine siskins. They started in October. Just, I mean, like a balloon, a flood, a cloud of them coming south. And here in Massachusetts, we don't see very many right now. The cloud, the flood has moved south. And uh, I was talking to friends in Alabama this morning and Texas yesterday, and they both have um, pine siskins in their yard hmm. in Texas. These are Canadian boreal forest birds. Yeah. So why did they do this? That's a quiz, Ray. Why did they do this? Let's see. I have that written down here somewhere. But <laughs> I... Uh... Well, actually, we, know about, we know about seed shortages. We always hear it's because of the seed crops are lower, but is that the only reason? Well, it's, it's a hard thing to prove. Um, if, you, if you think about, say, two birds that erupt, like snowy owls. Every, some years we'll get snowy owls in the United States, and other years none will come out of Canada off the tundra. Um, and this year it's forest birds coming out of the, the boreal forest, which is a, a cone forest. So all of these evergreen trees apparently didn't produce enough food to feed all of these pine siskins, mm -hmm. red poles, crossbills, etc. And trees are not, they don't play fair. They play to take care of themselves. Mm. Um, many animals, we think of lemmings and mice and things having cycles. And when you have a cycle, like lots of lemmings, then the snow, snowy owls have a lot to eat and they'll produce a lot of babies. Well, the next year, if the lemming population crashes from disease or something, um, all those owls are looking for food and there's nowhere to find it up there because the lemming population is gone. So they move south. In the forest, those cone trees produce a really abundant number of seeds about every seven years. In other words, it's not an annual thing. Mm -hmm. I know in my yard, I've got acorns. Oh gosh, do I have acorns. Oh, um, but they only come about every third year and there's a cycle to it. And in a way it's interesting because the blue jays in my yard are here some winters and then just gone other winters because there's mm -hmm. no acorns. So what probably happened was last year, year before, it was one of those boom years, lots of food up in the Canadian forest or perhaps the Siberian forest. Mm -hmm. And all of those pine siskins bred one, two, three, four times, producing tens of thousands of young new pine siskins. And then this year, <laughs> nothing. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've all had to flood south. Mm -hmm. And literally millions of, there was a count of uh, headed south off Long Island in I want to say third week of December, but a 20,000 went by in about an hour and a half, leaving Long Island headed south over the ocean. Mm -hmm. There's reports of pine siskins on Bermuda. There's all, you know, these birds, you could mail one with a, a single stamp. I mean, they're very <laughs> small. Um, and they've just, they're all over the place. 
It is probably because huge year last year or the year before, lots of babies. This year, no food, mm -hmm. and they've all got to leave. Well, well down here. So we have all these wintering finches, as we call them, in, in the south of the boreal forest, and they're coming here. And what about them, some of them, staying around, uh, not going back? Are we seeing more of that? Um, I don't know if we're seeing more of it. I know pine siskins especially, those ones down in Texas, they... Uh, over the years, they bred in Texas. On these boom years, you get enough of them down there that it gets into be, you know, late March, April, May, they begin to say to themselves, I'm not going to fly 1,500 miles back just to build a nest. I'm going to build a nest here. And so they bred in Texas. They bred along our south, the U.S. South states. Um, it happened. It, it's not what they plan on. But they just take advantage of the opportunity. There's plenty of food, so they've stayed there. Uh, and then when breeding season comes, breeding season happens. So, David, um, we talked about the pine siskins a lot there. And we also heard this year about some problems pine siskins have been having, I think, in a lot of parts of the country, uh, maybe with salmonella poisoning. And maybe this is a good, yeah, yeah, good chance to remind I'm only gonna say it. Yeah, yep. I'm only going to say it once, Ray. It's... <laughs> Salmonellosis, ah. and it's from salmonella, which is a bacteria which is really common in the ground. And um, the assumption is that these birds are leaving the Canadian forest because there's not enough food. So therefore, they're not at their peak. They're not full of energy. They're not strong. They're not mm. vibrant. They migrate south, and they may be weakened, and they get weaker and weaker. They'll pick up salmonella, which is a, a bacteria that they can get on bird feeders and in bird baths. The sad news. And California, Oregon, and Washington especially have a huge number. I, again, hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of siskins dying or, you know, because of the salmonella. And they're recommending for people to bring in their bird feeders to stop feeding or to wash them every day and dip them in bleach, you know, a bleach solution, not bleach, um, before putting them back out. It really is very contagious and it's apparently all up and down the west coast especially david clapp david i know you want to get back out into the backyard there and see what's uh see what's my binoculars up. <laughs> ready ray <laughs> all right <laughs> david thank you so much we'll uh we'll talk again soon always a pleasure thank you david clapp here on talking birds and up next it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute the flutter of a tail feather the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight you don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to cross a few species off your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you want to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Fair to say, it's kind of an unusual sounding bird. It's our mystery bird. This would be our mystery bird contest, and we invite you to call and let us know what you think that bird is. 
No correct answer, by the way, means a drawing will determine our winner. So give it a try at 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. And our prizes this morning are worth calling for, for sure. A big bag of our favorite coffee. It's delicious, aromatic, and it's bird-friendly. It's birds and beans Shade-grown coffee. A big 12-ounce bag is one of our prizes, and the other is the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder that attaches securely to your window, offering a clear, unobstructed view with nothing but a pane of glass between you and the birds. And it holds a couple of cups of seed or fruit or mealworms. So our mystery bird is a small waterfowl noted for its thin bill and fan-shaped collapsible crest. It's a big white with a black border. The male is black above with a white breast and chestnut sides and a large white patch on its crest, as we're describing there. Females are gray and brown with a cinnamon-colored head and crest. Our bird, which breeds over much of the northern half of the U.S. and winters over the southern regions and farther north near the coasts, feeds by diving for aquatic insects and fish and crayfish in freshwater ponds and protected saltwater bays. Clues and the sound and the prizes associated with this morning's Mystery Bird Contest. And that number again is 781-837-4900. Mike O'Connor has some signs of spring and some good advice for us about backyard nest boxes. It's Let's Ask Mike in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com B-U-T-E-O Beautyobooks.com Hi, my name is John Ficken, and I have the privilege of living in St. Keith, Florida. You know, the thing I love about being a Talking Birds ambassador is that I get to have my little contribution to helping people understand and embrace nature and birds. I really encourage everybody who listens to Ray to become a Talking Birds ambassador. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Down to beautiful Cape Cod and the famous Bird Watchers General Store as we're about to hook up here with Talking Birds resident backyard handyman, Mike O'Connor, <laughs> fixing those uh, nest boxes. Those are the right. ones that squirrels can chew, though, generally speaking. Right? <laughs> Sounds like a PBS show, doesn't it? <laughs> the squirrel handyman. Yeah, right now it's February and uh, it's, it's unseasonably mild around in my part of the world and maybe yeah. in a lot of parts of the country unfortunately although we got a, a kind of mixed messages right we we appreciate the milder weather but we know it's not necessarily the best thing yeah. but a lot of people a lot of my customers are coming in because they're checking out their birdhouses for the spring because the birds out looking into them in, in another few weeks in, in the middle mm -hmm. of march they get pretty pretty active and they find they've been chewed the entrance hole has been chewed over the winter and oftentimes it's squirrels, sometimes it's other woodpeckers trying to make the hole larger, either to roost in there or to, to nest in there, not with the woodpeckers, but with the squirrels. And so they want to replace the house, and I give them an option where you could just, if the damage isn't too bad, the, uh, a lot of companies sell these wooden predator guards, which is basically 
a wooden block, like a piece of Texas toast with a hole drilled into it. And you can just screw that on the outside. Now, the idea of a predator guard is to make, it's a thick piece of wood to make the hole deeper. So if a predator, namely a raccoon, reaches in, it makes it more difficult to reach into the birdhouse. And if you can see my hand, Ray, I'm moving it in the direction. Can you just, can you see what I'm doing? Just barely make it out there. Like, <laughs> okay. So the raccoon reaches his paw through the hole and tries to get the baby birds. These predator guards thicken up the hole ah. and so they can't in theory you know at least they help mm. prevent them from reaching in the predator guard also is a big sense of the big piece of wood and screws on it'll cover up a lot of the damage that the squirrel and or woodpecker has done so instead of buying a new box you can just add one of these then you can add a little metal portal a little metal ring a little metal plate screw that on the outside of the whole thing and that keeps the next time around from the squirrels from chewing the hole larger. Mm-hmm. They'll actually come in, and, and so so you get a thick piece of wood covering up the damage, and those are cheap. You can get, or you can make your own. It's just a little block of wood, drill a hole in it, and you can make your own, and then add this little metal portal. We call them squirrel tooth benders Ouch. because the squirrels bend their teeth when they're trying to chew, chew them, and you can get those a lot of the burning places, and that will prevent that. So my advice is repair your birdhouse, Put the metal plate on it, and everybody will be happy. All right. Thank you, Mr. Handyman. That's some good <laughs> That's stuff. Right. i got to go pack up my tools now and get ready for work. All right. Talk to you next week, Mike. Okay. Sounds great. Mike O'Connor at the Bird Watchers General Store. We're back to the Mystery Bird Contest right after this. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to bird watchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. That's our mystery bird, a small waterfowl. Breeds over much of the northern half of the U.S., winters over southern regions and farther north near the coasts. What is it? 781-837-4900 is the number. Susan is uh, down there in kind of Mike O'Connor country on Cape Cod in Yarmouth Port, and she's there with us right now. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Ray. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? It's a pretty nice day, and... I can't believe we've forgotten already to say Happy Valentine's Day. But yes, may... Happy Valentine's Day to you, too. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> That's because we were wishing Happy Valentine's Day last week, so we right. thought it was already... Uh, well, anyway, let's see. Right. Mystery Bird Contest. What do you say, um, Susan? Well, waterfowl are not my specialty. I like, mm. I'm like. i better on songbirds, and I'm, giving a, I'm changing my answer because I just heard your clues again. Uh-huh. Uh, is that is that acceptable, the answer that I gave to the fellow that I spoke to on the phone? Uh, let me check. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it the hooded merganser? The hooded merganser sounds like a pretty heck of a fine switch of a guess there. Yes, indeed. Oh, wonderful. The hooded merganser. Is it's one of my favorite correct. birds. That is one cool-looking bird, yeah. These I are, love them. These are birds that uh, lay their, their heads in tree cavity nests, either their own or uh, those of other hooded mergansers. So they're kind of a, uh, a brood parasite, like a brown-headed cowbird, but apparently they only do that in their nests of their own species. So I guess it's oh. not, not quite as much of a problem, kind of. 
Anyway, I did not know that. Well, stay on the line, Susan, and we will get your uh, info, and uh, Jesse will make sure you get those beautiful prizes sent out to you. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Susan. Thank you to Matthias in Quebec. Sorry we didn't uh, get to your call before a right answer, Matthias, but we hope you will try us again on our Mystery Bird Contest. And on our show this morning, we're just about out of time. Just a reminder that if you'd like to chat with and share pictures and videos with other Talking Birds listeners, check out our Talking Birds flock. You can find it at Facebook.com. Just search for the Talking Birds flock. Next week, Corina Newsom. We had her scheduled a couple of weeks ago, but we had a little a glitch there, but we'll have her next week. She's one of the founders of Black Birders Week, and she's just completed a master's degree research program or project on seaside sparrows down in Georgia. She'll tell us about that and some of the cool things she's observed during that research. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, our assistant Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. Happy Valentine's Day, and see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. We're running new online talks about topics like owls and cuckoos to enhance your birding skills. Learn more by following us on Facebook and on our website, oceanstatebirdclub.org.